listening to the Capay Friends Community Church Podcast recorded July 26, 2016. The Great Commission, Part 3. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Glad you are with us for part three on our series on the Great Commission. Today we're talking about transformation. Have you ever seen that show on TV, What Not to Wear, where Clint and Stacy, the fashion authorities, take a regular Joe like me who wants to wear shorts and sandals in every social situation and teaches them what to wear um, in different social social situations. Um, and so a part of the show, they, they get to go and they have their makeup done and they get their hair redid. And at the end of the show, every show is exactly the same. There is this reveal of the transformation where all their friends and family get to see their friend with their new look, their new wardrobe, their new style. And every and the person comes out and everybody is in awe that with just a little bit of makeup and, and some new clothes and a new hairdo, they look completely different. And kind of the overall theme is that if you change what you're wearing on the outside, if you change your hair um, and you change your clothes, that you are going to have more confidence that you could enter the world and that you could be a more productive and more fulfilled person. And I don't know if that's completely false. I don't know if that's completely true. Um, but there's this idea that what happens on the outside will transform how we feel about ourselves and how we live in the world. Now, maybe I'm looking a little too far into this, but, but are you with me? You see, you see where I'm going with this? That, that is it always what we do on the outside that changes the inside? Is that really how transformation takes place? I think we live in a world where, where most people would say that we are in need of transformation. Whether you're a Christian or not, you look and you see the violence, you see poverty, you see corruption, racism, broken relationships, and it's all a sign that something is not right. Is this the way that we are intended to live or is there something more? There's this political battle going on right now here in the States. It's a political season where we have two sides who debate on the transformation that needs to take place. What are the changes that need to take place in our country so that we can live and be happy and prosper? And so whether it doesn't matter what side of politics you're on, there is this acknowledgement that we need to change or transform what we do. I once heard a story about a pastor who was asking his congregation to pray. And in the back of the church, an older woman stands up and says, Pastor, I don't want to pray because if I pray, God will ask me to change. And isn't that the, the truth, right? When we pray, when we go to God, what we realize is that God might ask us to do something different. God might actually want to transform us. I think we as a culture, in some ways, we've given up on transformation. 
Because what we have done, we have made ourselves or our feelings to be our ultimate guide. Rather than going through the heart transformation process of giving up our desires, we have given into them. I actually heard this week that there is a debate whether monogamy in relationships is really helpful for us. That, that maybe what's healthier in our relationships is that if we're able to have um, other uh, relationships uh, on the side. And I'm talking about physical relationships, right? Because what it's really saying is that I have desires and needs that aren't being met in a relationship. And maybe I should just go somewhere else to get my needs and my desires fulfilled. You see, basically what it is, is it's giving up on faithfulness. It's giving up on transformation of the broken relationships that we are in right now. Because what God desires for us as people is to be renewed and restored. And if we, as the church, if we give up on renewal and restoration of our relationships, if we give up and just say, you know what, it's about what I want and I desire and I'm going to go find it, then maybe we really don't want transformation, do we? You see, we want transformation on a large scale when we see violence on TV, when we see poverty, when we see corruption and racism and broken relationships. But when it comes down to our lives, when it comes down to us as individuals, maybe we have given up on transformation. Maybe we have given up on renewal. Let's dive into our text in Matthew 28, starting in verse 19. Last week, we looked at the first half of verse 19. Now we're going to look at the second half. But I'm going to read all of verse 19 of Matthew chapter 28. It says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to focus on the second half of that, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now we are a evangelical friends church. And one of the ways that we as friends understand baptism is that it is not the act of being submerged, um, being sprinkled with water that actually saves us. What we understand baptism is an outward symbol of something deeper going on. And so what we understand is that baptism is just an outward symbol of transformation that has taken place. See, what we understand is it's not baptism, the act of being submerged in water that saves you. But it's just a sign that this person has been renewed and restored and that they now live differently in the world. But we as friends would say the real sign of our transformation is the way that we live in the world. And we can see, I want to go through some scriptures where it kind of talks about um, signs a little bit. So if we go all the way back to Genesis, the story of Abram, God commands Abram um, to be circumcised. 
And this is going to be a sign that they belong to God, that they follow God. Now, I am grateful that that is not a requirement of believers um, for circumcision. Amen. All right. And then if we go to Exodus, um, Moses, another sign that how that the world will know that um, uh, these people belong to God was through Sabbath. And Sabbath is a sign that says that, all right, we work six days, but then we're going to take one day out of our week and we are not going to be productive. We're not going to be slaves anymore. That we're going to take a day because we trust that God is in control, that God is the one who sustains us. And so what this is, it's a sign to everybody else around that God is in control. Then if we go all the way uh, into the beginning of the Gospels, we see John the Baptist. And what he is doing is he's baptizing people, preparing them for the Messiah. It's a, it's a sign that it's this repentance that, right, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The Messiah is coming. Now, Jews in this time would baptize, but it was more of a political statement and ritualistic. In the sense that it was more of a sign that, hey, you're joining our tribe. Um, and, and so it had political connotations. But John's baptism was more ethical and eschatological, meaning the future hope of God. Right? Repent of, of the things that you have been doing because this is a sign that something new is about to take place. And so what we as friends or Quakers, we would look to John 13, verse 34 through 35, um, as the new sign or the way that people know that we belong to God. And it says this, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So what Jesus says is the way that people will know that you are my disciples, that you belong to me, that you follow me, that you follow the way of Jesus are not through circumcision, are not through through what you do to on um, your day off. It's not through baptism, but it's actually how you live in the world. The evidence of your baptism, the way that people will know that you belong to God, is actually how you live in the world. It's going to be how you treat your neighbor. It's going to be how you love your wife. It's going to be how you treat your kids. It's going to be what you do um, at, your, at work, whether you work hard. Are you going to take advantage of your company? It's going to be how you live in the world because you know me, because you have experienced me. Titus 3, uh, we're, I'm going to go through a few scriptures and um, just to kind of further emphasize this, where we see this else in scripture. Titus 3, uh, verses 5 through 7, it says this, he saved us not because of righteous things we have done, right? It's not because of uh, a ceremony. It's not because of circumcision. It's not because of any of those things, 
It goes on, it says, but because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Right, The way that we live differently in this world is because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Colossians 2 verse 10 says this, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. It's only through Jesus that we have been brought to fullness. It goes on, He is the head over every power and authority. In him you are also circumcised, and with a circumcision not performed, get this, not performed by human hands, which simply means not performed by any human ritual. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. That it is Christ within us that changes us and transforms us. Having been buried, now get this, having been buried with him in baptism, meaning that Jesus' baptism, life in Christ, Jesus' baptism is our baptism, in which you were also raised with him. The resurrection is ours as well through our faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So our life in Christ, who we are in Christ, is is transformation, is the evidence that we need, is the way people will know who we are. It's interesting when Jesus, he's on the cross in John 19, he says, it is finished. And then it says, with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And so we have to ask the question, what is the it that he is talking about? What is the it that is finished? And what we see, it's what Jesus does, all the things needed to be saved is what Jesus has completed, right? Jesus has been circumcised. Jesus has been baptized. Jesus is the completion of the law. It is all finished. And so Jesus's participation in these takes our place and our need, just like Jesus's death on the cross takes the need for us to have to die because of our sins. And Jesus's resurrection is our resurrection. This is where you say, amen. Jesus's baptism is our baptism because our life in Christ is transformation. And so this is the way we as friends, we articulate baptism is that baptism is transformation and the act of being submerged in water or being sprinkled with water is simply an outward showing of what Christ has done within. It's an outward showing of what Christ has done within. And so it's we don't say baptism is wrong. Of course not. If you want to be baptized, that is all well and good. But what we would want to talk about, what we want to highlight and articulate is that it's not the baptism that saves you. But it's not the baptism that people are going to know that you are a Christian. It's the way you live your life 
right here and right now. It's the way you live out Jesus in your homes, in your work, with your family, with those people that you don't like a whole lot. Because we are transformed. You see, we practice rituals not for ritual's sake, but to remind us of our truth or meaning. And so what we as friends would say, our lives are to be rituals. Everything we do is because Christ lives in us. See, the reason why we gather and sing and preach and serve and fellowship and pray together and play together is because of transformation is that we know when we sing songs that have been sung in the church or when we sing new songs that have been written in our churches, is that we are singing about the truths of God. And when we remind ourselves, when we sing about the truths and reality of who God is, that transforms and renews us. When we are in a service and we hear preaching and teaching about who Jesus is and the Holy Spirit does its work in that setting, it's about transformation. When we serve one another, we are being transformed. We are being renewed. When we fellowship with one another, when we gather together as believers, transformation is taking place. All we do is about transformation and furthering that transformation because we want to be more and more and more like Jesus. And what happens when we decide that we want to be like Jesus, we, we want to live like Jesus. Jesus. We want the world to know that we are transformed because of Jesus. It changes us, doesn't it? We are changed. I believe we as Christians should be the people most willing to embrace change and embrace new realities and new truths and who God is inviting us to be because what does Jesus do? He changes us. I was once serving in a church and I was functioning um, as an interim senior pastor. And, and that meant that the church was going to be going through changes, that there would be new leadership in place. And, and I remember talking to one of our church leaders and he said, I don't want anything to change. I don't want anything to be different. And he was talking about the overall structures and, and, and about the place where he worshiped. But the sad reality is, is I think we as a lot of Christians we, have, we say this a lot, that I don't want to change. I don't want to have to do anything differently. And the reality is, is what Christ came to do was to transform us. And when we really trust in Jesus, we know that God is moving us forward into the way he desires our world to be. It's interesting if um, when you hear testimonies, when you hear stories, you would say things like this, I used to be like this, I used to talk like this, I used to think like this, but since I met Christ, I am now like this, I talk like this, I act like this, I think like this. Why? Because Christ is now at the center. 
And I believe we as the church who are transformed by God need to need to embrace this idea of change and transformation and know that it is only through Christ Jesus that we are changed, that we are transformed. And that our hope is that we are making disciples who are transformed because of the Holy Spirit. Right? Going back to the Great Commission, that's what Jesus is inviting us to do. When he's talking about baptizing them, he's talking about the transformation in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, I want them transformed into the likeness of God. In what you have seen, and what you have experienced, and what you have watched, this is the transformation that I desire for the whole world and that you get to play a part in it. We live in a world that is changing rapidly, aren't we? If you just look back five years ago to how the world is today, it is different. Right, and a lot of us would would we can see where how Christian ethics and Christian virtues are no longer the status quo in a lot of um, places they used to be in our laws or in our education system, and in some ways I grieve this, but also see this as an opportunity of God to transform and renew our hearts. And I think because a lot of, in our Western world it was very easy to be a quiet Christian. It was very easy to, to be a quiet Christian and not have to stand out. But now we look at what is happening in the world and we see different laws that are being passed. And, and, and if you actually hold to the teachings of Jesus in today's world, you are going to be an outcast. And what I believe God is inviting us into is he's inviting us to live out our transformation. What is the evidence of our faith? It's not wrapped up in a symbol. It's not wrapped up in the church you attend. It's not wrapped up in the songs that you sing. It's not wrapped up in the ways that you serve. But the evidence of transformation is living out Jesus right here, right now, in this time, in this place. And this is what Jesus invites us into. This is what Jesus invites us to participate in this transformation process. And so my hope and prayer for our church in this day and age is that we would say, God, mold me and shape me more and more and more like you. Our mission as the church is to point people towards the transformation that is only possible through Christ. And our mission is to make disciples who are transformed into the likeness of Christ. May we as the church be willing to be molded and shaped and transformed. And may we see this as our mission to go and be participants with God in the transforming of this world more and more into his likeness. I believe that God's desire for us 
is to be in relationship with him and and what I know from my experience and what I've experienced in my church community and other faithful believers is that when they follow Jesus and watching people follow Jesus, watching people sacrifice, watching people love, watching people care for the needy, watching people care for the sick, all I can think about is the transformation that Christ has done. So may we be seen as God's people in the world, not because of any ritual, but because of how we live out Jesus in the world. Go and make disciples.